0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I just came back from a retreat in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I did a men's retreat this past Friday night and Saturday morning for a reformation. Presbyterian Church, and it was a wonderful time. I got to spend uh, several hours with some outstanding men, and these men covered a broad swath as far as their ages is concerned. There were young men there that were 15 and under, uh, Gunner and Cannon and Rowan, and then there were a few others, and then there were older gentlemen as well, Kevin and Boone. Uh, and and John, of course, and many others, and just had a wonderful time interacting with them Friday evening and Saturday morning as we talked about what it meant to uh, be a man, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a leader, to to spur one another on to loving good deeds, the necessity of leading our wives well and to love them well, and the necessity of having open and honest and transparent conversations with each other, men talking to men about things that matter. And I want to thank you all at, at uh, Reformation you Presbyterian Church for having me up there it was a it was a, a just a wonderful uh, joy for me personally I do like going out to these various churches around the country now this is an easy one because it's less than an hour away and so this was a great trip for me uh, because we there was very little planning as far as travel is concerned and that was nice and we could get there quickly and and get back quickly and so uh, that part was very Convenient, but I do like it. it. Doesn't matter where it is. We, I do enjoy uh, traveling around the country and other countries to talk about the goodness and kindness of Christ, but also to meet uh, other Christians. Uh, to hear their journey and what God has been doing in their lives and, and how God has, has done this work of transformation and their joy and their encouragement. And I heard many, many stories this weekend from the good men in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and I hope that several of you are now partaking uh, our resources and that you're in our coffee shop you're at lifeovercoffee.com our sanctification center and you're reading you're watching you're listening and you're taking advantage of our resources i'm sure that you are and uh, i welcome you to our community i welcome you to our coffee shop i am glad that you are here and as i told them repeatedly please uh, share our ministry With anyone that you will, I think everybody there got our new bookmark, our 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 handy dandy life over coffee bookmark. I I I think I gave everybody at least two, and, uh, and and asked them, appealed to them to share, to give one away to others, and I think they, they all did, and I am uh, took one, uh, two, and I'm sure that they will share with others. Uh, if if you would like uh, one of our bookmarks, uh, I would love for you to just write and ask and tell us uh, where to mail it to, and we'll be glad to mail you one. Uh, it is a, a bookmark, it is a prayer card, and of course on the back is a QR code that will take you right to our coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com, our sanctification center, because because I want you uh, to imbibe all of these resources personally, and then also uh, in your discipleship efforts as you do life over coffee uh, with another person or many people. Uh, a lot of biblical counselors use our resources supplementally uh, to help in their discipleship efforts. Pastors use them as well, and there's a lot of men and women that uh, do use our resources uh, in the coffee shop or uh, at the kitchen table. Uh, But again, uh, we do have these nice uh, bookmarks. And if you would like us to send you some, uh, just tell us where to send them and we'll be glad to get those in the mail. We have a get in touch button at the bottom of our website and you can click on it. And again, we'll be glad to respond to you. If you would like for me to come and speak to your organization, I would love to do that. Uh, you can hit that same button in the footer and say, hey, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's start the conversation of how you can come and talk to our uh, counseling group. Uh, how you can talk to our church, how you can talk to the men, like a men's retreat that I did uh, this weekend. It doesn't matter to me, the group, uh, but if you want me to speak to anything pertaining to life and godliness, I would love to do that. And all you have to do is ask, and we'll see how we can figure it out to make it happen. And so again, thank you folks at uh, uh, a Reformation Presbyterian Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Now, if any of you are in or close to that area, please check out their website. Uh, their church building is downtown. I have been there, by the way. I went last spring, Lucia and I, uh, and visited a Sunday school class and then also the church uh, meeting uh, afterward, and it was just a, a wonderful time. They, they actually meet in a historic uh, building, and it's a beautiful building. Structurally, uh, they have done very well, and God has blessed them, and it is a, a growing church. I talked to several folks, that uh, men, uh, this past weekend who uh, were just new to the church, and they talked about how much they loved it and what God was doing there. And, and one of the things that's so encouraging to me is that it is men. Uh, Men are stepping up and they're wanting to lead and they want to grow deeper in Christ and grow deeper with each other. And then, of course, that Reformation uh, Presbyterian, uh, that swath of men from the young men who were 15 and under to the older men who were 70 and more. I talked to Charles, who is a retired Air Force uh, uh, person and uh, we had a long conversation before the meeting started, and it was just a joy uh, to talk to him. And I think it was uh, Bob Beard, maybe, uh, from New Jersey. Loved talking to him as well. And uh, they shared their stories of what Christ is doing in their lives. And there was Kevin and Boone and several others. But wonderful conversations. And so, again, thank you, folks at Reformation Presbyterian. It was a joy to be there. All right, so someone wrote in and they asked a question, and, and the question, See if I can navigate through it. They ask, what is the best way to describe our journey in Christ as Christians? Well, we would say that we're Christians. That's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, But they were talking about making distinctions between between, uh, being a legalist, uh, I'm a part of a legalistic culture, or a grace-centered culture, or a gospel-centered culture culture, and so this was really an insightful question, and so I just want to work with those three labels uh, in this episode, and I'm not uh, defining them uh, biblically, but just labels to describe uh, three different genres or three different demographics of our Christian culture. Okay, and so you have a legalistic culture, you have a grace-centered culture, and then you have a gospel-centered culture. And the question is, which one is? If if those are the only three demographics that we have, and I'm sure you can tease it out into other types, uh, other demographics, but if those were the only three, uh, what are the differences, the distinctions between a, a legalistic rule-based Christian culture, a grace-centered Christian culture, and a gospel-centered Christian culture, and so I thought this is a fun question, and so I want to try to work through it, and if you want to read uh, the notes that I'm sharing uh, with you, just go to episode 431 of our uh, Life Over Coffee podcast series, and I've titled it, Why Gospel-Centered is Better Than Grace-Centered and Legalism. Now, I've already tipped my hand and told you uh, what my preference is. Uh, If you were going to put me in one of these three rooms, legalism, that demographic, grace-centered, that demographic, or gospel-centered, uh, then I will take door number three. Monty, uh, would you send me to the gospel-centered crowd? Because that is how uh, I prefer uh, to label myself. Again, if these are the three labels that you are providing for me. Now, let me also say that I, I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm not sure what you know about this area of the country. You know, we say the the South is the Bible Belt. Some people would say that uh, that where we live uh, is actually the buckle of the Bible Belt. Other people would argue with that point because as I've traveled around the country, uh, if there's some folks in Texas that would say they are the buckle of the Bible Belt, but Texans like to brag about it, anything, and so they always want to be number one. Uh, but if you're here, uh, it's commonly understood that this is really the, the, a, a, a highly long historical Christian area of the Bible Belt, and and because of that, uh, there is a lot of legalism around here. Now, I know legalism is just not sequestered off to Greenville, South Carolina, or the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, It is is in every culture, every religious Christian culture around the globe. Our tendency toward legalism uh, has little to do with geography, and it has mostly to do with being born in Adam. Uh, it is an Adamic tendency because uh, Adam's initial response uh, to what happened in the Garden of Eden was to create some, some rules uh, in order to atone uh, for this big blunder uh, that he did, uh, he and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. And so Adam, uh, the, 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 the first repercussion of the fall was legalism, to be a legalist. There's something innate within us to pay for our sins, and so creating a legalistic culture and being rule-based, uh, it is an Adamic tendency, and it has it has nothing to do with geography. But when you put a bunch of Adamic people together and, and create a culture, you can have a legalistic culture, and that is what we have had traditionally here uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, but many of you might want to, like my good friends in Texas, might want to argue the point and say, we got more legalists here than you do, Uh, but that's fine, but it is a demographic of folks, Uh, and then you have another demographic of folks, and I'll talk about them in just a moment, but they are more of the gray-centered crowd, which is really a response to legalism, and then you have this third crowd, this third demographic that uh, I would be beholding to that I want to find myself securely ensconced in, and that is a gospel-centered crowd. So let me, let me walk through these, and uh, hopefully it will make sense. Hopefully you'll be able to maybe not just identify yourself in which demographic most best describes you, uh, but also you'll be able to tease out your uh, journey here. And I, I hope that maybe for some of you that this would be a corrective. And maybe uh, God would help to encourage you to uh, move over. Uh, to the gospel-centered crowd uh, to come over to my people. uh, And that would be a wonderful thing if if God is is moving you in that direction. Of course, some of you may find yourself already there. And, well, that will just be an opportunity for you to praise God and to thank Him for His good work uh, in your life. All right, so let's say there are only three rooms that you can go in as far as your Christian experience And the three rooms over door number one is legalism, over door number two is grace-centered, and then over over door number three is gospel-centered. Which one best describes you? All right, so let's start with legalism. Legalism is a rule-based lifestyle where Christians believe that they must hold to a, a generally recognized and accepted code of conduct as they represent Christ to the culture. And so this has uh, everything to do with their deportment, with with their behavioral lifestyle, how they, present themselves to the culture now full disclosure here uh, i uh, began my christian journey as a unwitting legalist i entered into a legalistic culture this is just how god led me because i didn't know i mean i didn't know john three sixteen when god regenerated me i couldn't distinguish between a mormon a jehovah witness Christian, a Baptist, Presbyterian, I I, I couldn't make any of those distinctions. Uh, A Catholic, if if you put all religious type people uh, in a room, as far as I was concerned, they're just all the same, and so I would just pick one of those religious type people. Well, where I come from in North Carolina, everybody, a lot of people are Baptist, and, and there's Two types, basically. I know I'm really generalizing here, but you have Southern Baptists and Independent Baptists. And I ended up, short story, going to an Independent Baptist church and loved it. And I have a lot of affection for that church even today. But I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Again, I didn't know John three sixteen. And I walked into my legalistic Independent Baptist church with a living Bible. And some of you would know that that would be like that is really a bad thing to do uh, because they believe in the King James Bible only, the 1611 edition King James Bible. But I learned the ropes. I learned the rules, and I began to take on that lifestyle. I became part of the culture that I stepped into as a novice convert, as a infant, a babe in Christ. And I began to don, and, and I really mean that, to put on the attire of uh, the legalistic mindset. And so I got the right Bible, the 1611 Bible. I I, I began to get me church clothes, you know, and I, I bought suits and ties and white starch shirts, and, and, and that's the only thing that I would wear. And then I began to throw out Uh, my Monday through Saturday clothes and buy uh, clothes that were more modest according to how they interpreted modesty. And then I began to uh, check off things that uh, I could no longer listen to, no longer watch, places I could no longer go, things I could no longer consume. And so I began to build this legalistic uh, mindset, this, this worldview and also lifestyle. Now, let me say that I, I loved it. I, I really do. I love rules. Uh, I really do. I like rules. Just tell me the rules. Give me the list. And if I can see the rules and abide by the rules, then I'm a happy camper. Now, part of that has to do with my Adamic teaching, uh, Adamic uh, who I am, uh, my ontology, uh, my, my ontology. Uh, because I am born in an Adam, and Adam is a rule-based individual. And so uh, that made sense to me. But as I was telling the men at, at Reformation Presbyterian uh, this weekend, in part of what I told them was, was that legalism was not only uh, palatable because of my Adamicness, but also because I, I lived with a heavy-handed authoritarian abusive father, And because he was so abusive, I learned to check the box, to duck, to stay out of sight, not to get hit, follow the rules. I wanted to uh, appease him in any way that I could so that I would not be punished. And so when I came into my Christian experience as a 25-year-old kid who didn't know John 3.16, I wanted to please my Heavenly Father. I already had a big idea of who the father was based on my earthly experience with my earthly father. And so when I learned about God the father, well, I already mapped my experience over him. And so I was really ripe for legalism. I really was from an academic perspective and also from an experiential perspective as well with my earthly father. And so I love legalism. I don't want to get outside the lines. I will not color outside the lines. I want to walk a straight line i want to walk on that rail and not deviate and so i love the independent baptist culture and that was my demographic now let me caveat this just uh, briefly because i i want to make a distinction between salvation and sanctification within this demographic that i belong nobody believed that these rules uh, made you a christian uh, there is a distinction. You were saved by grace. God regenerated you, not by works, as we would often quote Ephesians 2 8 and 9. It was by grace. It is a free, unmerited, unworked for gift from God, and it was not dependent upon our works. However, uh, we created a, a lifestyle, a, a worldview, a deportment that we brought into our sanctification, and it had a lot to do with rules, but it's important to understand none of my brothers None of my sisters that I'm aware of believed uh, that you could lose your salvation and that your salvation was dependent upon keeping all of these regulations, and so there was a distinction there, and so we were saved by grace, by the mercy and imposing power of God, Uh, and then now that we are Christians, uh, we have to live a certain way, and so that's where the rules came in. Now, some of you, many of you already know that there's a lot of downsides to that kind of worldview, uh, that kind of deportment, adhering to these regulations. And I, I want to mention just a few of them. Now, I went in that door. In my early Christian experience, but I came out of that door as well, and I entered these other two doors: the grace-centered door, and then eventually the gospel-centered door. I, I just, I, you know, I just wanted to be part of all of them. I wanted to check them all out, and so that has been my Christian experience. The downside, one, is that legalism can lead to a comparative culture, and what I mean by that is that is that where we can make some overt And then maybe silent judgments where we judge people in our hearts. Sometimes we're not so silent. It it is overt. But we can make either overt or silent judgments about those who are not like us. And we did. I mean, we did. Now, some... you know, for me, and I—I th- I think many of my brothers and sisters are like this as well. They were—they were not even aware that they were doing that. I mean, you can be so habitualized in a lifestyle, whether it's what I'm describing here or any other lifestyle that you have, and you can have a way about you, and it's like the fish is the one that doesn't know that uh, he's in the water. I mean, it just becomes who we are, and we don't have that self-awareness that we are judging people self-righteously. Uh, but legalistic culture has a tendency to judge others who are not like us. Now, there's two kinds of judgments that they tend, that we tended to make. One were those that were not within the legalistic family. We would judge them. That was easy, you know. Those who drink alcohol, those who go to movies. God bless them, we need to evangelize them. But we would also judge within our own community as we compare our list with each other. It's like, wow, my brother over here watched the movie the other night. My brother over here went and uh, listened, he went to this concert or or whatever. So we would judge within and without the community. But that is the temptation that legalism, when you start living by a list of rules, uh, it can very easily slip into a comparative culture and it can become so habitualized in our thinking that we're not even aware that we are doing it. So that's one of the downsides of living in a legalistic culture: is that it can be a comparative culture. Number two, it can be we we can have adaptable inconsistencies. And what I mean by that is that legalism is a rules or uh, rules of convenience, meaning. Uh, if the regulations that I have in, in this culture where I live are convenient in this geographic region, if they are convenient, then, well, then that's the rule that I want to have. But but it's not adaptable because if you move to another area, for example, and and it's not possible to live by the same rules, then you have to change the rules, meaning that you're not as strong, your convictions on those things aren't as deep uh, with some of these rules. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. When I was in, came to Greenville uh, back in 1986, there was a, a grocery store called Cash and Carry. I think that was the name of it. And they didn't sell alcohol and they didn't sell tobacco, cigarettes, uh, at the Cash and Carry stores, if I got the name correct. And so we could have a rule that we don't go to any grocery store that sells alcohol or cigarettes because that is a conviction. Well, cash and carry went out of business, and the legalists had no place to buy their food unless they went into stores that sold alcohol and cigarettes. And so that created a problem. See, there's inconsistencies within the legalistic culture, and we have to adapt. So we make rules, we can make some rules by convenience because we can, but then if those rules bump up against the culture or the changes in culture, uh, many times those rules that we had uh, were not as uh, strong convictions as we pretended them to to be because it was no longer tenable to hold on to those rules because uh, the game has changed. And and so legalism can be a funny culture uh, that way uh, where we can be strong in our convictions as long as uh, we, the culture permits us to be strong in those convictions. And uh, that is something that as I began to come out of the legalistic culture, I thought, uh, I mean, honestly, just how silly that was. Uh, it's fun to live by the rules as long as you can live by the rules. Uh, and this is where many of us are challenged today, uh, wh- whether you're legalist or not. I'm not even, let's not even talk about that now. But we have things that we believe in, but now our culture is challenging us on those things you see within America for example you could always believe that there were just two genders male and female but 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 some of us are on the front lines where we say that there are only two genders uh, well then we're being challenged and so is that really a conviction or are we going to stand there uh, and then this is something that now all of us are facing there is a convenience to our religion Uh, in America, and then now I'm looking at the macro. I'm widening the aperture, and I'm talking about all of us, regardless of which door you have gone into. But there is a convenience to our religion, and we haven't been persecuted. We really have never been persecuted, whether in this country or any other first world country. But all of us are trying to reconcile, come to terms uh, with what is happening, the things that we believe, and we're being challenged with what we believe, and we're going to have to make decisions accordingly. We're either going to stand on things that we uh, said we believed, or we're going to start backpedaling and say, well, those really weren't convictions after all. So as I bring the aperture down again to the micro, not the macro, and then look at this little legalistic culture, we had all of these little rules, little threads of rules that we held to, and we can create all of these lists because they were convenient to do so and there were no challenges. But then when the challenges came, like when the cash and carry went out of business, it's like, well, am I going to go in this store where people are buying smokes or am I going to starve Well, I changed my rules? And so legalism can be funny that way. Also, another downside is that legalism can be really a group of people who have weak consciences. Uh, they have weak conscience. like the new converts in, in 1 Corinthians 8, these Jews who became uh, Christians, and, and now they're, they're looking at what the other Christians are doing, and they're eating meat sacrificed to idols, and, and they had a wrong view of worldliness, and, and, they, and because of that, they created these rules. They had a weak conscience, and legalists, uh, many of them can have weak conscience. Consciousness, And finally, the, the final downside is that it really isn't an exportable religion uh, where you export it to the next generation, meaning your children. Because legalism is not the heart of the gospel, because that worldview, that, that behavior, that lifestyle, those presuppositional things that they hold to, because that is not the heart of the Bible, well, then it's not exportable. And what happens so often is that the children of legalistic parents flame out. They they either walk completely away from religion. I did a podcast just a month ago. Uh, it was titled, Something Like a Lesbian Walked Into My Office. Well, her parents were part of the legalistic culture. And it had a lot to do with why she flamed out. And And... and and sacrificed all of her theology, her Christian experience, and became a lesbian. Of course, she later uh, repented of lesbianism and came back. But but it, the but she she didn't come back to legalism. By the way, she didn't come back to legalism. And, and so, it's not an exportable religion. Uh, It doesn't hold consistently as you go from generation to generation. And, of course, what you see within the legalistic culture is a a diminishing culture. It's it's not like it was in the 80s, not even close. Uh, The universities uh, who are legalistic aren't as big as they used to be. So it's a diminishing culture because it's not an exportable culture because it doesn't hold true. Uh, to the centrality of what the Bible teaches, and so that is one demographic of legalism. Now the question is that our supporter wrote in and asked, you know, which which is the more, uh, which is the better way of describing a, a your Christian experience? And he gave me three labels. One is a legalistic. Now the second one was grace centered. Grace centered in the context of this discussion, it is a reaction to the legalistic culture. And so I'm not defining grace theologically, doctrinally. I'm defining it as a label over a door for a demographic. And this is how they talk about themselves. And, And they talk about themselves in a reactive way, meaning I'm not a legalist. I believe in grace, meaning I don't have all those rules to abide by. Now, we know that grace is a means to salvation, but again, what I'm saying here is that it is a religious cultural mindset to describe a group of people who want to distinguish themselves as something other than legalistic. And so in door number two, which I am not in either, is the grace-centered crowd. That's not me. Now, let me give you some downsides to the grace-centered crowd. They tend to react to legalism because many times, oftentimes, they were formerly part of that culture. And you can hear that. You'll you'll hear it. Uh, In in our church, the church that I attend today, uh, I hear people talking, and they were former legalists, and you can hear as they talk that they're not not over it yet. The grace-centered crowd has yet... To get over it it's like a person who has been victimized by someone someone who has been hurt by someone maybe uh, you know you've been and i'm not making fun of this at all I, I, I but i'll just use the illustration that that i used earlier with my relationship with my father i was victimized by him i was abused by him physically and verbally but i'm over it and and, and if you hear me talk as you as you have Like in this episode and others you have heard in the past, you don't sense bitterness, grumbling, or complaining. No, God has used that in a remarkable way. In fact, God has given me a life, a career, a ministry, an opportunity to help people who have been hurt by others. And I have been there, done that, and he's helped me to see that what my father meant for evil, God meant for good. And so as we live in the parallel between suffering and sovereignty, sovereignty rules over suffering. But many people who go through victimization, as they live in the parallel, suffering actually rules over sovereignty in their own minds and the way that they communicate. And a lot of times people who come from legalistic culture, uh, they go over the gospel. They shoot so far over the gospel and they land into this, what I'm calling this grace-centered crowd. And they never seem to get over what happened to them in their legalistic upbringing or their legalistic experience. And you hear that when they talk. They will actually mock the legalist or grumble or blame or ridicule, I did that. I blame my father uh, for how I was. I mean, imagine that. If I stand before Christ and say, you know, I'm this way because of my father. No, that, that, that doesn't hold water. Uh, but, but many people who overshoot the gospel and they land in this grace-centered culture, this, this mindset, they're really reacting to the legalist and you can hear it. In their tones, in the way that they communicate about those other people who happen to be part of the body of Christ. They're talking about the body of Christ. Because as I said earlier, that these legalists aren't legalists in the Pharisaical sense, where they believe they are meriting salvation. No, this they, they believe for by grace you are saved, but they have created these peripheral rules. Uh, because they believe that that needs to be essential to their sanctification, but they're very much regenerated. And so the grace-centered crowd is talking about their brothers and sisters in Christ, (coughs) excuse me, in a mocking, take a a swallow of water here for those who are on the podcast, but they're talking about the legalistic crowd in in really uh, unkind, sinful ways. And not only that, have they not gotten over it and they mock and ridicule, but, but they can unwittingly judge the legalist the way the legalist can judge them. And so now we have two groups. The legalist is judging the grace centered crowd because of their lack of moderation, what they would see as licentiousness. And then the grace-centered crowd can judge the legalists for all the reasons that I have stated, and so now we have two judgmental groups looking at each other in self-righteous ways. One, one other downside is that if you swing out of legalism into the grace-centered crowd, uh, you can get into licentiousness. Uh, for example, I've I've seen I have friends that just they, they drink. Alcohol, too much. There's no moderation in their alcohol drinking, just as an illustration. And there's other things that they do as well because there isn't discretion in some of the things that they do. There isn't self control in some of the things that they do. They do not understand or practice moderation the way that they should. And that becomes a problem, but a lot of times it is a reaction. To the legalism, and so it's like you go out of the legalistic ditch and you land into the licentious, uh, the, the licentious ditch. They talk more about grace than the gospel. I am grace-centered, and it, it becomes—it can become an appellation for uh, why they do. It can become a justification for why they do what they, they do. Well, I, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not a legalist, and, and you hear that reaction, and that is a problem. Now, if you came from a legalistic culture and you're embracing the doctrines of grace, praise God, uh, but make sure this these doctrines of grace doesn't become a – a, a twisted culture that gives license to do things when in reality you're reacting to something. And so they can talk more about grace than the gospel, the gospel who is Christ. And so grace becomes the main thing, and, and gospel, gospel does not. And as I said already, the grace-centered lifestyle can be devoid of discretion, which, if it is devoid of discretion... And moderation, then the grace-centered lifestyle can be a non-exportable religion to their children. Same mistake as the legalistic crowd. It's not an exportable religion. Because these folks can love the culture so much that it fosters worldliness in the hearts of the children— A lack of biblical sobriety within the grace-centered culture can create worldliness in the hearts of the children. And so you have the legalist who has no liberty, has no freedom, the children who have no freedom to do anything. And then when they become old enough, they say, I'm done with that. I want to have fun. And then you have the parents over here that I'm calling grace-centered that they enjoy so much fun because of a lack of moderation that their children grow up with a lack of sobriety and no affinity or affection uh, for uh, biblical discretion. And so that makes these parents not able to export Christianity to their children. And then you have the gospel-centered door, Now, again, I have been in all three now, and so I'm speaking from personal experience. If you're going to call me one of those three, legalistic or grace-centered or gospel-centered, then call me gospel-centered. And I define the gospel as a synonym for Christ, and so when I say Christ— And gospel, those are the same words. Those are synonyms. To be gospel-centered is to be Christ-centered, Christocentric, to be Christ-like. The gospel, Christ is the good news. He is the gospel. In eternity past, in eternity future, we will worship the good news who is Christ. And the gospel is better than rules, and the gospel is better than grace. The gospel-centered person does not swing too deep into the weeds of legalism or to, or stray outside biblical sobriety. The gospel-centered person, and, and what happens, or my story anyway, and I've seen it worked out in so many other lives as well, you, you enter through the door of legalism. It's not exportable, either to your children or to your own life, and you shoot out of that, and you land over here in this grace, what I'm calling this grace-centered crowd, and then you realize, well, this is not really right either, and then you start coming back, but you know you're not going to come back all the way over here to legalism. There has to be something else. It's in the middle. It's gospel-centered. There is not a false worship of regulations Or a false worship of freedom, but a spirit-illuminated awareness, step-by-step, giving this believer the ability to discern each situation and to adjust accordingly. You are walking in the spirit. You're not being held by a list of rules, and you're not living in this doing whatever it is that you want to do. But you are actually eliminated by the Spirit of God, walking step by step, discerning the situation, and adjusting accordingly. This person is always reforming, never stuck in biblical emphasis, or never stuck in pre- preferences. However, he's not changing in reaction to what is behind him. He's not looking in the rearview mirror and saying, thank God, I'm not like that anymore but actually he is looking forward, he is transforming, he's pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that is in Christ. Not reacting to what is in the rear view mirror, but he is transforming because his eyes are fixated on Christ because he wants to be more like Jesus. This is episode 431, Why Gospel-Centered is Better Than Grace-Centered and Legalism. I wanna wrap up here with a few questions. Question number one, according to how I am defining these terms for this episode, which best describes you? Are you more beholding to legalism, to grace-centrism, or a gospel-centered lifestyle? Which door do you believe that you are a part of? Which demographic? Number two, as you assess where you are today, have you come to this place in reaction to your past? Or because you are pressing toward the high mark of Christ? Is Christ Christ the one that you are pursuing? Or are you in this particular demographic because of a reaction of something? I was in the legalistic culture because of a reaction. A reaction to being born in Adam. Also a reaction of an authoritarian father. And so legalism was very comfortable for me. But... It wasn't working, and God began to open my eyes to that. And so then I reacted and I became grace-centered. And then eventually God began to deconstruct that and said, no, gospel-centered is the way. Press toward the high mark of Christ. Number three, when you talk about the legalist or when you talk about the grace-centered person, what do those words reveal about your hearts, your heart? Are you over your past or are you still a victim of it? Maybe this would be a good question to stop, ponder, reflect, and maybe share with someone else. Number four, will you share with someone why a gospel-centered mindset is wise, is livable, and is exportable? This is episode 431, Why Gospel-Centered is Better Than Grace-Centered and Legalism. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.